Well, good morning. My name is Jake LaCroix. Uh, if we haven't met yet, uh, my wife Erin and I are members here at CCF, and I get the privilege of serving as one of the pastoral interns here. Uh, specifically, most of my time is spent helping out with the youth ministry, so I hang out a lot with Pastor Nick Rogers, sort of helping with various needs, mostly in areas of discipleship. Uh, so it is a, it's a joy and a privilege to be with you all this morning, opening up God's Word together. Uh, as Matt said, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 34, taking just a, a slight detour away from our Psalms series for this morning. We'll be back in the Psalms next week. So if you haven't already done so, go ahead and turn to Ezekiel chapter 34. If you're using one of the Bibles near you under a chair, it's going to be on page 722. 7.22. I do want us to, uh, to read this chapter together. I know it's a little bit longer, but I think it'll sort of help us get the big picture and really, really see what is going on here. But before we do that, since we're sort of parachuting into the middle of this text, I think it would be helpful if I could just sort of set the stage for what is going on in this chapter for us this morning. So, God has, he has rescued the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and he has called them and set them apart to be his people. But instead of returning to God the, the glory and the praise that he is due, his people repeatedly proved to be unfaithful and disobedient. So God judged them by, by sending them into exile, but Israel continued to sin and continued to rebel even while in exile. So God sent prophets to the people to call them to repent and to return to the Lord. And these prophets, they would, they would speak both uh, messages of, of judgment and condemnation, but also of hope. Hope in a future where God would restore his people because he wasn't done with them. And that's where Ezekiel comes in. Ezekiel is one of the major prophets to Israel during this time of exile. And he's, he's commissioned, he's sent by God to speak both words of, of judgment and hope and salvation. That's kind of a common pattern that we see in the prophets. And we're going to see that pattern of judgment and salvation in our text this morning. We're also going to see some really uh, intense and almost sort of poetic language that's characteristic of this kind of biblical literature. So that's a little bit of what we're going to be working with. And just to, to give you a heads up on where we're going to be going, I want to give you my main point here up front so that as we read through this chapter together, you can keep this in mind. So our, our main point this morning is that God is our good shepherd. God is our good shepherd. So as we read this chapter, as uh, we continue to talk about this this morning, keep that main idea in mind. So with that said, if you would look down with me at Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, that is Ezekiel. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. 
the weak, you have not strengthened the sick, you have not healed the injured, you have not bound up the strayed, you have not brought back the lost, you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture? And to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till so you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land, so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing. 
and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations, so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land, and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Let's pray and ask for his help. Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, that you did not have to reveal yourself, and yet, in your grace, you have chosen to do so. And in your word, Lord, we can, we can see you and, and know you and know what it means to be in right standing with you. So we just ask this morning, God, that you would sovereignly work in our hearts by your spirit to glorify your son, Jesus. God, that we would be led to see him, to worship him, and to obey him with all of our lives. And now, Lord, we ask that you would open our, our hearts and our minds to understand this text. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so we're going to unpack this chapter in two parts. So if you're taking notes this morning, uh, these aren't necessarily points. We only have one point this morning, but these two parts are going to sort of uh, guide the direction of where we're going this morning. So uh, in the first, you can call this part one, we're going to be talking about the bad shepherds. And then in part two, we're going to talk about the good shepherd. Now, we'll spend most of our time in part to this morning talking about how God is our good shepherd because I do believe that that's the the main point of this text but in order for us to sort of feel the weight of that as we ought to we need to first spend time looking at some bad examples because the the glory and the goodness of God as our good shepherd shines the the brightest against the dark backdrop of these sinful wicked shepherds so we're going to first look at the bad examples, and the bad examples are going to show us how good the good is. So, what are we dealing with? Well, in our chapter, God sends the prophet Ezekiel to to sort of call out Israel's shepherds. Now, this isn't talking about actual shepherds like the guy in the painting on the slides, but it's sort of a, a poetic way of describing the leaders of Israel who are supposed to lead God's flock, his people. In fact, if you'll look down at verse 32, it tells us, and you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. So the the flock is God's people, and the shepherds are the leaders of his people. Now just think for a moment, what, what comes to mind when you think about shepherds? Like what sort of characteristics, what sort of adjectives come to mind? I know for me, I tend to think of adjectives like, Selfless, protective, maybe meek and lowly, or brave. 
Like that's what should come to mind when we think about shepherds, but listen to how God describes Israel's shepherds. Look at verse 3. He says, you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. In other words, the the shepherds of Israel are the worst. They don't do anything a shepherd is meant to do because they don't really care about the sheep. They only care about themselves. And it's hurting the sheep. God says that his people are, are scattered and hungry and lost and no one is doing anything about it. And because people learn by example, the, the sheep are even beginning to turn on each other. The text says that they, they're stepping in each other's food and water, and which the other ones then have to eat and drink out of, and they're sort of pushing and shoving one another because hurt people hurt people. So the, the, the point we see here is that when ungodly leaders lead God's people, everyone suffers. And God hates that. He will not allow his flock to be misled and abused forever. You see, by by choosing to serve themselves over and before God's people, the the shepherds were basically stiff-arming God because to lift yourself up is to push God down, and God will not be pushed down. So he says to the shepherds in verse 10, I am against the shepherds which is bad news for the shepherds, but oh, so, such good news for the sheep. Ungodly, wicked leadership is never without consequence. Now, regarding the, the shepherds, notice what God is angry about. I think this is really important for us to see. He's angry about their, their character and their conduct, specifically the, the way that they are shepherding. And this is important for us to understand because it's not that they were leading, that's the problem. It's how. Now what this means for us is that authority and being led by someone is not inherently bad. That's a, that's a hard pill for us to swallow in our independent sort of I'll do it myself world, but I, I think it's important for us to be reminded that, that authority in the hands of a godly person is a good thing. In fact, it reflects the character of God. While on the other hand, authority in the hands of of an evil person tells lies about God's character. And I think that's why God hates bad shepherds so much, is that their, their conduct, their behavior, tells lies about what shepherding is supposed to look like. Some of us have been very fortunate to experience good godly authority in our lives, but others of us haven't. Like, some of us have been burned bad. And if that happens to be you this morning, if you have suffered under bad authority, I want you to know that God sees you, God cares for you. And this text not only tells us that God hates evil authority, but he is completely and totally devoted to his people. In other words, you matter to God. You haven't slipped his attention. 
But there's a, a real danger in letting our sinful or our experiences with sinful people and sinful leaders sort of color and, and shape the way that we then view God. And we need to fight against those lies because if we don't, if we give in to the lie of, of total independence, like I don't need anyone to lead me, then we run the risk of missing out on and misunderstanding God's cure. Because his cure, his remedy to this solution is not to throw out the bad and then sort of let us lead ourselves. And it's not to scrap the system and get rid of the idea of shepherding altogether. He gives us another shepherd, a better shepherd. So look with me at verse 23. God says, and I will set up over them one shepherd my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. So we see in these verses that God is going to give Israel a new shepherd, his servant David. Now, that might seem weird because if you look a couple verses up at verse 15, you'll notice that it says God is going to shepherd his people. But now, not even 10 verses later, it's saying that David will. So who's the shepherd? Is it God or David? Well, the short answer is yes. <laughs> but we need to unpack this because we have another problem. And that's that at this point in the story of Scripture, David's dead. Like He died before Israel even went into exile. So what is going on here? Well, if we're going <clears> to <throat> understand this rightly, uh, we need a little bit more background. So... Back in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God made a, a promise, a covenant with King David, basically saying that David was going to have the most epic family line of all time because he was going to have descendants after descendants who would be kings over Israel. But not only that, God told David that eventually he would have a descendant who God was going to set up as a sort of permanent king, a Messiah, whose kingdom would last forever. Now, much of the Bible from that point on is spent sort of following this family. But if you know the story, of course, uh, the problem was that Israel's kings just kept getting worse. And as we talked about earlier, that led to eventually the whole nation falling apart and being exiled. And here we are in Ezekiel 34. In fact, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah described Israel at this time as like a, a tree that had been chopped down by God and that all that's left is this stump. But he also prophesied that out of that stump would come a little branch that he called the roots of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. And that root is a picture of the descendant of David, the Messiah. So the message there in that picture is that despite God's judgment, that promise that he made to David all that time ago was still alive. God would, in fact, bring a descendant of David who would rule God's people as their Messiah and King. So when we read in our text that God is going to serve, set up his servant David over Israel, he's not literally talking about King David, but a descendant of David. He's stepping into this, this uh, line of promises that has already been happening for, for much of the biblical story. Specifically, he's, he's talking about the Messiah, and this is why when, when uh, Matthew begins his gospel, he starts with a genealogy. And the first verse of the book of Matthew and the whole New Testament 
is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. In fact, Jesus even says for us in Revelation 22.16, one of the last verses in the New Testament, he says, I am the root and the descendant of David. So we're lucky. We get to look back on Ezekiel 34 with the whole story of Scripture in mind and see that God is saying, I'm going to give you Jesus. So now the, the question of whether it's God or David, it makes a lot more sense because who is Jesus but God in the flesh and the descendant of David? So Christ, God the Son, the descendant of David, fulfilled Ezekiel 34. So with that in view, would you turn with me to John chapter 10? John chapter 10. If you're using a Bible and a chair near you, it'll be on page 896. John chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verse 11. So as you guys are turning there, with the backdrop of Ezekiel 34 and everything that God has said there about the bad shepherds, Jesus has this to say to us. John 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this is the reason For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. The Lord Jesus is our good shepherd, and he laid down his life for his own. You see, we don't just need to be rescued from bad leaders. We need to be rescued from ourselves. Remember, it's not just the shepherds that are being condemned in Ezekiel 34, but the sheep as well. In fact, Isaiah 53, 6 says, we have all gone astray like sheep. So lest we take the sheep metaphor too far, we need to keep in mind that the point of the the sheep picture is not one of sort of cuteness and innocence, but lostness and complete dependence on the shepherd. Sheep that have been sinned against, yes, but even more deeply, sheep that are sinners and need to be forgiven. And that's exactly what Jesus tells us he does for his sheep in John 10. He he takes the condemnation that they deserve for their sins onto himself and dies. And then he rises again, signifying that that death was indeed a sufficient sacrifice for the atonement of our sins. So that whoever would come to him in repentance and faith could find forgiveness of sins and eternal life in his name. Guys, we all have been or still are in our sin, wandering around like lost sheep. 
And this text shows us where to go, to Christ, the good shepherd. So if you haven't, would you turn to Jesus today? There is, there is no safer place to be than in his flock. Jesus gives us real safety and real hope. Now, I, I don't know about you, but in a world that is full of leadership, that is characterized by arrogance and anger and scandal and betrayal, Jesus sounds pretty good to me. So, in light of Christ being our good shepherd, what I want to do for the rest of our time this morning is I want to quickly look at seven things that God promises to do for his sheep in Ezekiel 34 that Christ accomplishes. So on the screen, you'll see the, the promise as found in Ezekiel 34, followed by some, some New Testament references that's going to help us see how that promise finds its yes in Christ, our good shepherd. So let's start with number one. God will rescue his sheep from the world and bring judgment. God will rescue his sheep from the world and bring judgment. Ezekiel 34, 22 says, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep. And then in Matthew 25, we, as we see Jesus telling of his final judgment, we hear him say, before him, before Christ, will be gathered all of the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. You see, God's love for his flock is a, is a holy love, which means it's a purifying love. So while the safest place to be is with him in his fold, judgment is coming for those who reject him and continue to live for themselves. So why not leave your sins behind and come home? Like, there is still time, and the good shepherd will meet you with no condemnation. Today is the day. Be reconciled to God. God will rescue his sheep from the world and bring judgment. Number two. God will search for his sheep. God will search for his sheep. Verse 11 of Ezekiel 34 says, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And then in, in John 10, as we read earlier, Jesus says in verse 16 that I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So if you're, if you're a Christian this morning, it's because Christ sought you. We don't leverage ourselves into that relationship with him by good works or by earning it. Christ, in his grace, by his spirit, reaches into our helpless state and lifts us up. In other words, you didn't find God. God found you. And once you are his, you are secure. Christ says that no one will snatch his sheep out of his hand. God will search for his sheep, and God will keep his sheep. Number three, God will bring his sheep into their own land. Verse 13 of our chapter, Ezekiel 34, says, I will bring them from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. You see, God doesn't just save sinners. He sort of relocates them. Now, that's true for, of us here and now. As Ephesians 2.6 says, we are seated with Christ. We are 
in him in the heavenlies, but this is ultimately true in the new heavens and new earth when God will dwell with us forever. And we see that beautiful promise in places like Revelation 21. God will bring his sheep into their own land. Number four, God will satisfy the hunger of his sheep. We see that in several places in our text. We see that in verse 23 where it says that David will feed the sheep. And then we see that again in verse 29 where it says that they will no longer be consumed with hunger. And then Jesus fulfills this, of course, when he says in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. So Christ not only saves us, he not only gives us a new future, but he satisfies our deepest longings and needs by giving us himself. Number five, God will give rest to his sheep. God will give rest to his sheep. God says in Ezekiel 34 verse 14 that he will make his sheep lie down in good grazing land. Language that we hear echoed in other places of Scripture like Psalm 23, right? He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He says later in Ezekiel 34 that they'll be able to sleep in the woods without fear of being hunted and they'll finally have rest and peace. And Jesus says, of course, in Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God will give rest to his sheep. Number six, God will heal his sheep. God will heal his sheep. Verse 16 says that he will bind the injured and strengthen the weak. And that's exactly how we see Jesus begin his earthly ministry, is it not? By, by healing the sick and casting out demons. Like we see that in places like Mark chapter 1. But of course, this promise is ultimately fulfilled in the new heavens and new earth where our good shepherd will, as John says, wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The good shepherd will heal his sheep. And then lastly, number seven, probably the best one of all, God will be with his sheep. God will be with his sheep. Ezekiel 34, 30, then they, they shall then know that I am the Lord their God with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people. And of course, when Jesus is born in Matthew 1.23, we read these words. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then in Matthew 28.20, some of the Lord Jesus' last words before his ascension, he says, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then one more. Lastly, in Revelation 21.3, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. So to, to recap these seven things, God will rescue his sheep from the world and bring judgment. God will search for his sheep. God will bring his sheep into their own lands. God will satisfy the hunger of his sheep. God will give rest to his sheep. God will heal his sheep. And God will be with 
his sheep. And of course, he does and accomplishes all of these things through the work of his son, our Lord Jesus, the son of David. Christ is our good shepherd. No matter our circumstance, we know that he's good because he laid down his life for his sheep. And just as he rose again, so too will he raise his sheep to dwell with him forever. In other words, if you're a Christian this morning, your future is incredibly bright because your future is with Christ, your good shepherd. And if you're not a Christian this morning, you can get in on this. Would you trust Christ today? He is inviting you into his fold. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father in heaven, God, we, we thank you and we praise you for the work that you have done in redeeming us. God, by sending your son, Jesus Christ, to, to die in the place of all who would trust in him. God, thank you for the work of your spirit in our lives this morning even as we, as we read your word. And we pray, God, that, uh, that we would be led by you this week to worship, to obey, and God, would you glorify your son in our lives this week. We pray all of this in his name. Amen.